0: the money heroes podcast from young money supported by hsbc uk hello and welcome back to the money heroes podcast i'm your host jonathan hart during this series we hope to empower both parents and children to develop their financial knowledge and skills as a parent myself i always look for new ways to encourage my children on the topic of money And hearing Sir Chris Hoy and Dame Sarah Storey's advice from a parent's perspective in the previous episodes has been really interesting and motivating in continuing to find new and exciting ways to engage my children at home. And I hope that it also inspired you to begin or expand Money Talks with your children. And thanks also for your participation in the Money Heroes programme and your feedback so far. It's amazing to hear all about the activities and resources on offer that are making such a positive impact. Now, it's been a short while since our last conversation. So to recap, in the previous episodes, we focused on alleviating money worries by comfortably opening conversations about money matters at home with your children. The launch of our first Key Stage 1 Ed and Bunny storybook and how to use storytelling to expand money talks as well as Sir Chris Hoy and Dame Sarah Storey's parents' perspectives of introducing and developing their children's money management skills from an early age. During our short break, the Money Heroes team has been creating even more resources to help you continue developing your child's money management skills. And we're pleased to announce that we've launched three storybooks, Key Stage 1, ed and bunny earn some money and ed and bunny spend some money and key stage two super stories for money heroes you can read all three books now on the money heroes platform and even request printed copies which we're working hard to send out to schools and parents who need them most so we're super excited to have the money heroes program manager sam kennard here to tell us all about the program's progress so far and how you can get your hands on the storybooks. We're also going to be joined by our special guest, Emma Norrie, author of the Key Stage 2 Super Stories for Money Heroes, on the value of storybooks on children's learning and development. Hello, Sam, great to have you with us today to tell us all about Money Heroes progress so far. How are you?
1: Thanks, it's uh, it's great to be here.
0: Now, a lot has happened to say the least, since we launched Money Heroes and it really has begun to take shape. Can you give us a summary of the programme so far?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So as you say, a lot's happened and it's been great to see it taking shape and really taking off. Um, Going back to the start of the journey this time last year, we initially went out and asked parents and teachers how best we can support them. Obviously, as Young Money and Young Enterprise, we've got many years of experience and lots of expertise in terms of developing and delivering financial education resources. What we were particularly interested in for Money Heroes was that collaboration aspect and also ensuring the ease of use for parents and teachers. We wanted to know how best we can develop the programme so that it can be applied in in pretty much all settings and so that it's there for parents and teachers to use. So we started at that point, we did our research, we, we spoke to lots of parents and teachers and then we cracked on and launched our website, talking to all parents and teachers now, if you haven't registered, please do, there is so much on there. It's not just about registering and seeing what's on there at the time because we're constantly adding new resources, there's activities, resources, templates all on the platform, they're off the shelf, they can just be downloaded, printed or even used on screen, used straight away and um, we've got templates that go alongside them if you want to um, follow the activities use the cutouts get the creative juices flowing or you can encourage your children to make their own All of the resources are based on our Young Money Primary Planning Framework themes. So they're very much based on what we know is particularly appropriate for children at certain ages to be learning in terms of financial education and money management. Something that's happened over the last few months that we're really excited about, and we've uh, spoken a little bit about on this podcast, and we will shortly as well, are our storybooks that we've launched with Scholastic, a leading global children's publisher. I hope other people get this reference, but I've personally spent many years of my adult life chasing that high of walking into the school hall and seeing the Scholastic Book Fair, being there with all the trolleys laid out. So um, working with them as an adult has, has been pretty special. Also very excitingly, we've been working with two incredible authors, Matt Carr for our Key Stage 1 picture books, and Emma Nori for our Key Stage 2 book, who have so far created really exciting and dynamic worlds for children and adults to explore and learn through. So those storybooks are available to read online, but also we have print copies that are available for, for everyone who's registered on Money Heroes so far. There's a finite number, so get in while you can, and we're gonna try and ensure we get them to those that will gain the most from them and who need the most. So please do get in touch and we'll be able to share them. Hmm. Then talking about the activities as well, we've developed more specific homeschool activities to expand the learning on from those storybooks as well. If there are any teachers on as well, but also parents, please do share this with your schools. And we're also in the process of delivering teacher training in schools to expand that knowledge and skills and help teachers continue to deliver financial capability in the classroom. If you know that that's something your child's school may be interested in, or if you're a teacher and you'd like us to, to come in and deliver a teacher training session please do let us know because we're offering this in-house absolutely free of charge at the moment for teachers so that can be accessed via the platform or or by getting in touch with us and there's so much more to come we're in conversations with other organizations to continue rolling out those resources to those that will benefit from the most we are also starting conversations about games so physical board games and digital games coming soon so won't say too much about that don't to ruin the surprise but there's something to look out for
0: my boys will love the digital games, Sam. They really will. I'm going to keep that quiet for a bit.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's very, very exciting. Lots of playful.
0: This all sounds absolutely brilliant. So impressive. Great progress. And the, the interest and participation has been amazing, hasn't it?
1: It's been genuinely heartwarming to see the take up and hear so much positive feedback from teachers and parents both saying sort of this is what we're getting out of the resources but also coming to us with questions and saying which ones can we use for this particular theme or I'm interested in exploring this area what would you suggest also parents that are putting their their children's schools in touch with us that's one of the best ways for us to know about the schools that we can we can help out and for schools to know about us too we're here to help parents and teachers however we can in terms of uh, delivering those resources resources so we'd love to be able to continue doing that
0: Sam talking of questions uh, our (laughs) listeners have suggested some for you um, all about developing children's financial capability skills using money heroes are you ready for this
1: absolutely (laughs) yeah
0: okay I haven't primed him uh, this is gonna be um, you know interesting to see what Sam says first question for you is how do I explain to my younger child where money actually comes from, and how is it earned in simple terms?
1: That's actually a question that we hear a lot, a lot of parents, when they're starting to explore money management and financial education, which as, as we've said, is best to do as young as you can, really. One of the things I'd say based on the programme that we have is use the Ed and Bunny series, for examples, firstly. They're the storybooks that we've launched for Key Stage 1, written by Matt Carr. Ed and Bunny Earns Some Money covers that exact theme. It talks about where money comes from, how it's earned, how it can then be saved up and spent. Use those stories to guide that journey because those themes are all covered in very creative ways. Way back in podcast one, so obviously all of these podcasts are available to listen back as well. Russell Winard, who's our director of programs and services here at Young Money, talked about household activities. Obviously, not everyone will be getting pocket money. Some will. Some will be getting pocket money in different ways. There are some really great ideas in there about how to guide young children around where, where money comes from and how it's earned. We've talked a lot about the primary planning framework. It can be a bit of a challenge sometimes for parents to sort of think, I know that my children are going to need to learn about this, but what's the right age to cover the specific themes and the specific learning objectives and the specific outcomes? Don't think you've got to cover everything in one go.
0: Okay, good answer. Another one for you, uh, Sam. How can I help my child to understand value rather than just amounts?
1: Again, it's one we hear a lot. And do you know what? It's not even just about children. It's one that a lot of adults also work on. The first thing I'd say is... We know that money's everywhere. We know that it's very rare for a day to go by where money doesn't have some kind of impact in our lives. So use the idea of choices. If you're doing your weekly shop, if you're out and about, have your children with you, talk, think out loud, explain what you're doing. We think about value all the time. When you're standing in the cereal aisle and you're choosing which brand you buy, have that conversation. A lot of people would be really surprised at just how perceptive children are at being able to pick up those uh, decisions about choices because choices is something that affects us all whatever age we are something I'd always say is a lot of money is cashless it's great to sort of give some examples of using cash if you can but even so just when using your card contactless paying with your watch or whatever it is explain as you're doing it talk out loud explain these are types of money that it's the same as using a certain Number of coins, notes, etc. And through those, your child will see and hear and understand that concept of value. Also, as, I, as I've mentioned, bring in your child's school if you can. If you've got that relationship with your children's teachers and with your school, talk about it, do the Money Heroes activities at home and suggest the school equivalents. You could have a chat with your children's teachers about how they teach financial education, highlight the resources, because more often than not, teachers will absolutely welcome the ready-made content that they can use and apply to their own teaching.
0: Okay, very interesting. Final question for you, Sam. How can I encourage my child to take responsibility and keep their money safe as well as understand the consequences of losing it. That's a tricky one, isn't it?
1: It is, especially for younger children, because obviously we want to see our children happy and we want to see them enjoying the things they like. And it's, it's hard to have conversations about consequences of, of negative things happening or, or challenging feelings around things. The first thing I would say is we've talked a lot on this podcast about how we don't talk about money enough and the importance of those conversations. The other thing as a society that we don't talk about enough are our feelings. And that's something that is also of the utmost importance to to address and keep having conversations around. So what I'd say in response to the question about encouraging your child to take responsibility for their money and understanding consequences, use discussions about feelings and emotions when addressing that. So within the primary planning framework, there are some outcomes around understanding how money might make uh, people feel whether it's about their own money, whether it's about friends or other people they know, how people might react to money differently. In Ed and Bunny, spend some money. It's very light and it's very fun and it's very playful, but those themes are addressed as well. Use those, but as you read the books and for older children as well, the key stage two stories, there are emotions hidden away in there. So have those conversations, ask the question, if Bunny ran out of money when he needed to pay for something, how might Bunny feel about that? Ed was able to step in and help him was Ed happy to do that and how might that feel in real life or when, when you're out and about? It's a great opportunity to tie those important discussions together. The other thing I would say is, again, just coming back to the Money Heroes activities. So there are a whole suite of them that, that cover the responsibility of keeping money safe, understanding um, consequences around money. They're keeping a record to buy or not to buy pocket money, they they cover those themes as well, as well as the Ed and Bunny storybook, supplementary activities, so day out and helping Bunny buy a gift. Those will help children understand that, A, having money is not about spending it at once, but B, in the most age appropriate way, that there are consequences to all the decisions you make about money. And if you can start those conversations young, and if you can start having those discussions as children have more of a consciousness of the role that money plays in their life, then that will really help set them up for when they have to make more independent decisions later down the line.
0: Thank you, Sam. You most definitely provided us with some great insights to the Money Heroes programme and certainly some key takeaways on how to use the resources to continue developing children's money management skills. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks very much. The Money Heroes podcast. Developing financially capable children together so i'm now joined by author emma Norrie to tell us about super stories for money heroes and the value of developing children's education through stories emma Norrie sometimes writes under m or el has a bachelor of arts in film and a masters in screenwriting emma has been writing for over 20 years often inspired by her two children She loves writing children's books and has written everything from historical fiction set in Victorian times, to her latest book, Amber Undercover, a contemporary action adventure for ages 10 and above, based on a teenager who gets recruited to be an undercover spy. Sounds very interesting. Now, when Emma's not writing, she's working part-time as an academic support assistant at Bournemouth and Poole College, working with 16 to 26-year-olds. Emma, welcome. We are very excited to have you with us today.
2: Thank you. Glad to be here.
0: It's our pleasure. Can I first ask you to tell us about Super Stories for Money Heroes and the value of learning about money matters?
2: Yeah, sure. Super Stories for Money Heroes is a collection of three short stories that are based around primarily telling a good story, but based in that, are kind of lessons and observations about money. I think that children understand money, hear about money, and I kind of wanted to break down some aspects of spending, how we think about money, how we talk about money, the role it plays in our lives, into a kind of entertaining and character-based stories that would hopefully be entertaining to read. And you'd learn something, and hopefully in that best way where it's not sort of banging you over the head with the lessons, but it's Mm. just weaved in as a part of everyday life really.
0: Absolutely. And what inspired you to get involved with Money Heroes and write stories on financial education? Why is there a need for a key stage two chapter book on money matters?
2: When I first heard about it and heard the word story with financial education, (laughs) I kind of think, right, okay. Um, There's a challenge here. I love a challenge and the more I started to think about it and actually just think about my own two kids so at the time my kids were 11 and 12 and they both have such different attitudes to money and it was really fascinating thinking about where those attitudes have come from our backgrounds you know how little or often people do discuss money and the topics that we discuss or hide from our children and why that might be. I just think children pick up a lot more than we may think they do. And the earlier we can have these conversations, especially about money, then the more education and you're giving children tools that they can take forward and sort of make decisions and find out how the world works and the importance of money in our lives, really.
0: Hmm. And how would you encourage children to read the stories? I mean, it's one thing to write them, but, you know, can you take uh, the horse to water and make it drink? What makes the chapter book successful?
2: I would hope that each story is a good story in and of itself. So the first one, I mean, that just sort of came to me in a flash, which is that thing about how can you get money as a kid if you don't get pocket money and generally most people get some kind of reward for when their teeth fall out. So I I would hope that the stories would be read with a parent, but if a child, you know, is reading independently, they could be good class readers because I would hope they would generate discussion. Children like to ask lots of questions. I think if there's a back and forth with analysing what you're reading, there can be a real benefit in that. So yeah, I would hope that the, the stories would be read together, you know, friends or family or grandparents or whoever, so that you could kind of stop along the way and think Have I thought about that, or why did they make that decision, or what do you think is happening here? You know, people can ask, would you do anything differently? But I think they're not successful, but I think what was the pleasure about writing them, and I was asking my own kids about them as I was writing them, is the thing where two of them have sort of got very much a school setting. So, you know, there's different. As you bump up along different people who've got different backgrounds to you, you know, some friends might be very wealthy, some might not have so much money, people do things differently in different families. And I think key stage two children are starting to realise that. So I think they're kind of relatable in that way. People have got experience in schools and different groups of friends and hopefully people can see something in one or all of the stories that they can identify with really.
0: It's funny you should mention a tooth coming out. My six-year-old's tooth has just come out and he was quizzing me about the Tooth Fairy and how it all works. And there was a long pause and he said, it's not real, is it, the Tooth Fairy? I said, well, it is, it is. It's just, um, it's whatever you want it to be, which was a very weak answer, I have to say. Um. So perhaps another tricky question, Emma, what does make a great educational children's book?
2: If a book is a fictional story, then I think what makes a great educational book, children's book, is one that isn't obviously educational. (laughs) I think quite often we kind of forget the story and that everything is seen through the lens of characters, people that we've, you know, writers have created and that readers want to find out about. So, yeah, so as long as we're not sort of banging people over the head with lessons of, you know, this is how you save or this is how you recycle. Um, And you can normally tell because, you know, you kind of are taken out of the story a little bit or something that someone says doesn't really feel true to their character. It's like anything. I think we learn we can learn more when we're having fun or when we're absorbed in something you're sort of learning without you realizing you're learning.
0: Yeah, that's the secret, isn't it? It's learning and having fun at the same time. And it just doesn't seem like learning. It's just like having fun. I mean, I suppose this leads on to my next question, which is your advice to a parent like me, to all parents and educators who would like to make storytelling exciting or interesting. I mean, not everybody can do it, but there are probably a few tips that you could give to enhance that storytelling uh, method.
2: I think the thing is, is that, it really is remembering to have fun, and to remember that reading, telling stories, sharing experiences is a fun, inclusive activity. So I think with reading in particular, we can, as parents and educators, we can get very caught up in what's correct, what's right, there's a right way of doing things, you know, in a classroom teachers may not want, you know, the kids to get too excited or too loud in terms of things like putting on silly voices for characters. My son is a huge reader and my daughter is a reluctant reader. She didn't really like reading at all and something that had been wonderful when we'd moved from picture books, it was all very cuddly and lovely, had moved to sort of just a process that me and my husband were a bit like oh who's going to read with Maisie tonight do you know what I mean like actually it wasn't wasn't much pleasure and she would do this thing where she would sing whatever she was (laughs) whatever she was reading she would sing it and uh, put on really crazy voices that had nothing to do with what we were reading soon we kind of realized that that was just her way of enjoying what she was reading and instead of us sort of saying you know, can you read properly now? Um, We just let her do it. And then we would join in with her. So we were very much led by what she wanted to do and how she wanted to experience the story. So we would sing the chapters. And she did sort of get back into enjoying reading quite a lot. And I think letting go of what is correct or what we should be doing. So letting go of ideas of comics or graphic novels aren't real books or my son went through a phase where he didn't wanna read stories, fictional things at all, but he was obsessed with Guinness World Records and Ripley's Believe It or Not, like fact books. Um, So I think embracing anything to read and you can make a story out of anything. So if you're reading just the fact booked about dinosaurs for the the hundredth time, and you're kind of thinking as a parent or an educator, we've gone over this, or there's nothing more to learn here, then you can make a story out of the facts that you're reading. So, you know, who do you think would win in a battle between a Tyrannosaurus Rex and a Velociraptor? Or, you know, how do you think that Velociraptor felt when, you know, whatever, or lead on to going to watch Jurassic Park, or lead on to, you know a sticker activity so sort of seeing it as a whole, I think, um, are some tips that can make storytelling exciting or interesting
0: absolutely and i totally agree that there's no such thing as a bad suggestion or bad idea as long as it gets the brain going and uh it's funny you should mention uh, guinness world records or the guinness book of records we used to call it when i was a kid but i i read that cover to cover for years and years when i was probably around about your son's age and uh, yeah anything fact or fiction uh, gets the brain and the mind working is always a positive how can we expand learning opportunities through the world of stories for children do you think
2: it's difficult for teachers i think it's so difficult for teachers i mean you know the last year and a half has shown that
0: is that because of the curriculum do you think
2: yeah i think aspects of the curriculum are quite restrictive i think the demands placed on teachers is phenomenal and you know the last how people have been teaching over, this, over the pandemic homeschooling versus you know online lessons and the value of delivery and a lot of has been trimmed out of the sort of English storytelling thing because grammar takes precedence and those sort of rules and regulations they have targets to meet. But I think overall getting back to that curiosity about things and tapping into that openness that children have, that thing of encouraging questions about everything, if, if you're reading at bedtime and it's a bit like mum and dad, you know, both work full time or whoever, you know, is looking after the children, works and they haven't got time to read or you've only got 10 minutes, instead of focusing on having to get through the next chapter or the child has to read it independently, even if you only read a two, two or three sentences, if you've got questions and answers from those sentences, then I think you're opening a wider conversation, it's just as valuable. You know, children love to be asked their opinion. All day we're telling them what to do, you know, You have to eat this you have to be here you have to be in your lessons you have to brush your teeth and no one says to a child not often enough what do you think about this when you're reading especially if they can choose what they're reading and you can just ask them lots of questions it's opens up everything for learning I think and then if the conversation goes off and you're not reading a book or you're not telling a story or they're not doing their homework just kind of go with it I think so why do you think that happened? What do you think that means? All the, you know, all the W questions, why, what, where, who, all that kind of stuff. But applying that to sort of almost everything, I think, can sort of reopening up learning opportunities. And with money, kind of games, I think, can really help. I was crazy for playing shops. <laughs> in my day, there was this amazing little toy you could get literally called something like sweet shop. And I just loved it because everything was in miniature. So they had like tiny little pots and you i used to have like a fake till all that kind of stuff and if you're talking about money specifically learning through play was always quite you know monopoly and all that kind of stuff was always good for conversations and discussions around how much things are worth what you would pay for what all that kind of stuff
0: hmm as we know children do tend to get uh, very distracted do you have any tips for encouraging and engaging children to read from an early age, particularly the youngsters. Do you have any tips from your own parental experience that you haven't already spoken about already?
2: On the back of something I was talking about earlier, I think, is just that whole letting go of what it is they're reading. Very young kids, they don't want to sit down in one place for ages. You know, <laughs> they get yeah. comfortable, they want to be moving around. Even if it's bedtime, they might want to be moving around, and they might see that whole thing of let's have a bedtime story as a sort of, oh, that means I'm going to go to bed and I'm not really keen on bed and sleep and being left by my parent. So just reading and that kind of thing throughout the whole day. So, you know, if they're reading the back of the cereal box, helping with cooking, if they're reading a recipe or getting them to read stuff out to you, it's always quite helpful and not always having reading at bedtime you know change up the time that you're reading together so while the pasta's boiling or whatever there's five ten minutes there to have a little read i think sometimes we put these rigid things on our, you know on what we should do
0: i think it's a very good idea actually varying the times that you actually read with your children i mean it sounds pretty obvious but i think a lot of people as you said do have that idea of a set time every evening you know, just before bed. But um, now that's um, a brilliant uh, suggestion and uh, not as obvious as one might think. Difficult question coming up for you, Emma. How much time do you think parents and educators should actually spend reading books with children? I mean, does it depend on, you know, the reaction of the child? I mean, when you think, well, time's up or do you just keep going?
2: It is really tricky. I think, I don't think you could say a set time. I think there's so many demands on parents and teachers now, you know, parents you might have other children, you might be you know single parent, you might be working, might be doing different shifts. I think that, and there's a lot of guilt and expectations around parenting and sort of competitiveness and all sorts of things. I also think things like children quite often can get really into a certain TV show for example, right? Um I don't know if Peppa Pig still exists, but you know, for example that. So if you then go to the library and all they want to do is get 50 books on Peppa Pig instead of dissuading them and saying oh let's try something else I think you'd really have to be led by the child so they'll burn out themselves if that makes sense so I think if you can't read with your child or to your child or you don't have 15 minutes but if you're cooking and your child can read independently you can sit them on a stool in the kitchen or in the living room and get them to read to you and if it is something If they're obsessed by a TV show or into a game, you know, into Fortnite or get them to read a quiz from the annual or like we were saying about fact books. You know, I think it's just not thinking there's only one way of doing things. And the only way, you know, of a nighttime routine is making sure you have a bath and cleaning your teeth and we all cuddle up in this ideal world and read for 20 minutes or half an hour. And then it's a disaster for whatever reason. And you just feel so bad and you end up yelling or whatever. So I just think, let go of any of those expectations on yourself and even just starting with, we will read one page, you know, and if that's a page of dense text that takes 15 minutes, half an hour, then that's what it takes. And if not, everyone can sort of do one page. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I wouldn't say that it wouldn't be an ideal time, but I would say regularly is better than not. So instead of, you know, reading a chapter once a week, you're better off doing one page five days a week if you can. But if that's them reading to you while you're cooking or while they're in the bath, then you read to them when they're in the bath and ask them. Quite often we forget to ask children and you just say, you know, are you exhausted after being at school all day? Are you really tired? When you go to sleep, would you just like a cuddle instead of a story? Or, when, you know, when would you like me to read to you or when would you like to read to me? and get them involved in making the decisions.
0: And maybe think about what they're interested in, as you mentioned earlier on, you know, maybe search the internet for a book which is topical or of particular interest to them. And My boy, he was suddenly getting really into the panorama uh, of the London skyline and interested in what the buildings did and, uh, you know, what the names of the buildings were. So I just went out and bought a book about, the tallest buildings in the world and he loved it.
2: Oh fantastic. I haven't even touched on that. So yeah, I would let go of um necessarily, you know, reading lists and what they have to do. They will have certain things at school that are prescribed to them. So if they're bringing home a school book then that's one thing. But once they're at home, you you should be totally led by their interests. As I mentioned my daughter wasn't isn't a massive reader, but and she really liked The Boy the Mole the Fox and the Horse. Which is kind of like was described as Winnie the Pooh for grown-ups. So she wouldn't touch any of the books that sort of school mentioned, but she loved that and she loved discussing that and looking at the artwork and the emotions. And that's a really deeply interesting book. If a child's interested in animals, any animals, then yeah, you know, after sort of seeing a few David Attenborough clips, they might want to read a fact book about animals. But if they're not into facts, there's millions of animal series. And if they're not into real animals, you know, they love lizards, but they're not into cats or dogs they might be interested in dragons so then you go on to you know a dragon series or they might like fantasy and you know being led by your own child they might like a certain type of genre Or if they're quite pragmatic and practical then you can kind of target different areas to your child's personality too and libraries you know i'm a massive fan of libraries i don't think reading and storytelling has to be some huge expensive thing quite often bookshops Dominate with certain authors or celebrities or people that people have heard of but you know there are so many amazing writers that you will only find by hunting through library library is my favorite place
0: <laughs> yes we love our libraries absolutely well there is so much more we could talk about uh, emma but unfortunately we're coming to the end of today's episode it really has been fantastic speaking with you and we appreciate your advice and expertise and certainly look forward to seeing super stories Expand. Thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Thank you. Been nice to talk to you. Thank you.
0: And to all of our listeners, thank you for joining us for this episode of the Money Heroes podcast. I hope that you've learnt something new today and are as excited as we are about the programme's continuous development. And if you'd like to share anything you've taken away from this episode, please visit moneyheroes.org.uk or get in touch at moneyheroes at y. Dash m.org.uk all the details are there well thanks once again to emma nori until next time goodbye the money heroes podcast from young money supported by hsbc uk available on your favorite podcast app please listen and subscribe